Hello, this is Matt Moreau, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm John Vanderveld. And I'm Kelly Brady, senior pastor here at Glen Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Did y'all have a good Independence Day experience? It's a good we day. We did. It's great. Mm-hmm. Love Fun the time. parades. We did the parade. <laughs> Lots of candy. I love candy. <laughs> yeah, they. You love know what? Was kids a, get tons of candy. Was there a time they didn't throw candy and then they restarted? I it? think so. Because on the I, south side, my yeah. understanding is they don't throw candy anymore. Still, is there another parade? I don't. Anyway, know. I noticed the very first uh, group in. And the Wheaton Parade was just chucking yeah. candy everywhere. Yeah. Were those the, all the people in the red t-shirts? Yes. Did, did, what you know group that, is that? So that's the new Soccer United club. Oh, it's the Copian teams and the oh, Wheat, okay. Wheaton Wings. They so come the Wheaton back. United. The Wheaton United. There nice. were so many. I thought the parade yeah. was over when they were done. <laughs> there were a lot. There were so many. Turn it off. Yeah. I appreciate the bag clips. Yes, very oh, practical. Yeah. Very practical. <laughs> you never have enough bag I know. Clips. I will know who Bob Berlin is for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I have so, so many bad clips. I was just going to ask, was it a lot of political... There were some politicians. Po- po- political candidates? Yeah. There weren't as many uh, bands, like high school bands, mm. middle school bands. Well, did, oh, interesting. Was it just me or did both of them combine? Was it... Because it looked like both Wheaton South and Wheaton North combined. To do one band, I didn't yeah. notice. What? Like with, with they came what? out with a with a band. <laughs> I don't know if that's two. true. Uh, <laughs> really? The, oh, that was a municipal band. No, no, no. I, it was different. Yeah, I saw the municipal band. But it was then, good. There but was then definitely a out. band in blue shirts with gold. Wouldn't that be Wheaton North? North? Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, we were. I mean, we were standing at where the where they were lined up. So oh, I don't okay. know if maybe it, start. it started later yeah. on, but they, when they came out, they had a, a, a flag, a sign, whatever, that had both high schools. And then, I was driving through Gary, Indiana about that time. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, Indiana, Gary, Like I saw the paw on one of the tubas. Oh, and then, that a, was fel- and then a falcon on the confusing. other. This is very confusing. We need someone to clarify. I find it, it really was. hard to believe yeah. that the north and south side would partner. They're sabotaging each other as they're marching, tripping each other. Tripping each other, yeah. Maybe, could have been. Same district, mm-hmm. and they didn't have any. It, they didn't have any unifying shirt on. Like it wasn't Band Wheaton United. North or Wheaton South. It wasn't. Huh. It was just kind of neutral looking. I don't know. Huh. So should we pause? I didn't know we had a municipal <laughs> band though. I didn't. Yeah, know it was that. Good. it's good. Yeah, yeah, they they were good. We've got a cool band shell too downtown. Mm-hmm. Should we pause and admit that the Highland Park nightmare that unfolded yesterday? Yeah, Ugh, it's just sad. It is sad, and it makes you think about. Well, gosh, that could have been, if that's Highland Park, could have been Wheaton. You know, I could go through, been, I was, Sherry said, um, as the news unfolded, she goes, I didn't even go to the July 4th parade today feeling threatened or nervous about a crowd. And I, I have to admit, there are times when I'm in a crowd and think, Ugh, could something go wrong here? Mm-hmm. And other times where I'm fairly oblivious and at ease and mm-hmm. I didn't, like once again, caught off guard. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't even consider it. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't hear about it until after the Wheaton Parade. Right. <clears throat> Things were kind of calming down, and it really sobers the moment, doesn't it? It's, uh, some suburbs canceled events yeah, and stuff last night, that. and kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. tragic. There was a giant crowd at the Glen Ellen Fireworks last night. I mean, it mm-hmm. you know, it's, didn't seem to undermine attendance in that 
in that respect. Yeah. Well, at, at one level, you know, life has to go on, and at another level, you have to figure out how to. We got to do something. Yeah. You know, honor and I'm sure I'm sure the town's closest to that area probably had a different response than I mean we're kind of further away, yeah. but yeah. the communities that overlap each other up there on the in the North Shore mm-hmm. on the North Shore. All right. Let's Should get we? into yeah. Let's get into some questions because we got five today. Do not steal. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. It's bad. All right. But there's some uh, there's some gray area. So we're going to get into this first question. <laughs> I don't know if there's gray yeah, area. I don't know if there's gray area. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm framing it for this question yes, asker. Yes. Here we go. When is Robin Hood's ethic appropriate? Is stealing from the rich to help the poor ever an appropriate ethic? You know, I would never encourage that ethic. I don't think that um, stealing is going to create, even if we're stealing, even Robin Hood, I don't think it creates the community that we ultimately want to live in to steal from the rich. Um, Somebody asked me this question, brought this up after service, um, and, and I said, you know, I certainly would understand when someone's starving that they would steal. I get that. I understand that, that that temptation would be there. And um, so I, I would certainly understand someone stealing to feed their family. Again, I wouldn't encourage that ethic. I, I don't think that that's morally appropriate. It's still stealing. Um, I would also understand revolution when oppressed. I mean, that's the founding of America is a, a response to oppression. Um, so, I, but I don't think it's a, the Robin Hood storyline is, is, is an appropriate ethic to live by, by any stretch. Upon further uh, reflection, it occurred to me, though, that the church is really in the place, in the, in the sweet spot, to help with, the, with this issue of the disparity of, of wealth. And, and I'm not advocating a redistribution of wealth. <laughs> That's, I'm not advocating that. What I'm advocating is generosity in sharing. Uh, I'm advocating that the, that the church admonish the wealthy not to store up for themselves treasure on earth. Rather to store up for themselves treasure in heaven through a willingness to share with the impro- in the impoverished, there's a really strong rebuke in the New Testament book of James um, to the wealthy. Um, I'll read it. James chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people. I can't imagine writing that direct unless I was sure that it was from the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Now listen, you rich people. Rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, and here it is, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. And so there is this clear notion in the New Testament that if we hoard our wealth and treat others unfairly, if I'm an employer in this instance, and don't pay fair market wages, then I can expect judgment for that. And that's the role of the church. That is the role of the church is to warn the rich not to store up for themselves treasure here, but... Mm -hmm. 
but to care for the impoverished. And I'm, I think I see Glow Bible Church doing this, growing in this. Are we doing it perfectly? No. Are we growing in it? We've certainly grown over the last 15 years in this respect. The care, care center is a part of that. And, um, and lots of, we have lots of programs in which we do our best to, as a wealthy congregation, to care for the impoverished. Can I tell well, one more story? I'm, ta- I'm doing all the talk. Can I tell one more story? I had the privilege in 2007, uh, it was a part of a sabbatical here for me, and I went and visited John Perkins. Do you all know John Perkins? Mm-hmm. You know his writings. Yeah. And John Perkins marched with Martin Luther King Jr. He is a, um, a leader in um, Christian community development. His office is in Jackson, Mississippi. And I drove down to meet with him and uh, spent a day and a half with him. And he just included me in his day very graciously, didn't know me from Adam. And um, his wife um, uh, cooked us lunch. I showed up and she invited me into the house and she cooked us BLTs. And while she was cooking us BLTs, he lectured me in his kitchen about the rise of Marxism and the failures of the Russian Orthodox Church. I'll never forget the question he asked me. He said, do you know what the Russian Orthodox Church was doing while Marxists were leading a revolution in Russia? I said, of course. I said, I had no idea. He goes, the Russian Orthodox Church was in session and they were voting on the colors of their robes, their vestments while people were starving. And it was the, his, his assertion was it was the starving of the population in Russia that led to, to Marxism taking a foothold while the church functionally did not do what they were supposed to do, calling the wealthy to task and confronting uh, the corruption that was going on in Russia while the, the peasants. And um, he had, it was a cautionary tale for America was his point that we the church must play the role of confronting uh, selfishness in this respect it's interesting that you bring up you know government kind of corruption obviously Marxism is not is corrupt and um, to think about the Robin Hood ethic in those sorts of Robin Hood ethic in those sorts of situations I think a lot of people you gave some examples in your sermon on Sunday like cheating on your taxes or kind of, um, what'd you say, underestimating your... Overestimating your expenses. Yeah, and doing those sorts of things. And I think some people justify some of those things by saying, well, I don't agree with our government. Our government is corrupt. Our government is wrong. Our government is redistributing wealth. Our government is, is, you know, doing all sorts of different, different things. And so it's kind of this us against them. I'm actually doing what I think is the right way to handle these things and the government is is wrong or take it even further in another situation where the government government is actually trying to starve out a certain group of people should another would it be okay if the government is actually doing that to to starve a group of people to to either leave their country or or do something horrible is it okay to then steal kind of back from the government what should be then distributed to those mm-hmm. people? And, and man, some of those tricky situations are kind of difficult to, mm-hmm. to navigate. I think the, in the first instance, you know, we, we need to be honest at all times, right? And saying that we know best, mm-hmm. while may be true and we may not agree with having to 
file our taxes the way that we do and we may be frustrated at the government at some level we need to do what's yeah. you know render to Caesar what is Caesar's yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's what I said but I think there's probably parts of the world where you're what you're describing is very they're every day right uh-huh. and I when I think about this question I don't well I am a fundraiser although I don't like to call myself a fundraiser because <laughs> uh, nobody likes fundraise but it is definitely a significant part of my job and I have to tell myself all the time that there are enough resources to go around mm-hmm. that the Lord will continue to provide he has been so faithful to the ministry um, that I run and um, I'm not saying I've been in a situation I think that's actually my point I'm trying to make is that I don't know that in this community we're necessarily in a culture um, where the where we're looking to steal from the rich because there are so many resources here and um, I just feel like um, the church does a, a great this church in particular does a great job being generous and and I just love it's one of the things that drew us to GEBC was that it's not this like sanctuary that's full of bells and whistles it's just a do you know what i mean mm-hmm. no offense matt you might like no. the bells and whistles in the no, no. um worship more band. whistles in worship please <laughs> lots of bells <laughs> more cowbell yeah no it's, there's a there's a simplicity here and i'm i'm yeah. assuming now that we've been here for several years that's intentional um so i don't know i think about this question and i get it but i just don't know that we're in a a a culture and a community where it's needed knowing meaning we have to steal in order to survive hmm. when there are so many resources here yeah. it's deep That's fair. do you know what i'm saying yeah for sure hey for what it's worth i i don't know that um we're generous at Glenn bible church so generosity by definition is what is left over after you give so it's very hard to know if the Brady family's generous because only the Brady family knows what's in our bank account. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So mm-hmm. I, I, what I like to say is that we're growing in the grace of giving. Mm-hmm. I do see Glow Bible Church making real strides, but generosity's hard to know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's generosity measured by the receiver or the giver. Yeah, I think is what you're yeah. because sometimes there's you know we say wow thank you for your generosity it feels very generous. Gen- very um, generous to us, yep. but it, for the person who is being, who's distributing or giving, yep. may, they may be thinking that I'm, I'm not being generous at all. I have right. so much more to mm-hmm. give. Right. And right. I gave this so reluctantly mm-hmm. and, right. and, and so heartedly. Right. Yet the receiver, I think of the story you, you told on uh, Sunday about your trip to yes. Juarez and yeah. the amount that you gave and you thought that that would be I would change his uh, life received in the in, you know and who so yeah. that's a good point alright let's go to the next one uh, second one I'm in sales and my income is tied closely to my efforts I have two questions I guess is it wrong to want to work longer hours simply to make more money how do I know how much is enough no I don't think it's wrong no I don't, I don't think I, I don't think it's wrong to work I, it, hard and yeah. at times put in extra hours to make more money, provide more for your family, to be able to give more away. Yep. I think it's the motive in your heart. And if you're getting tangled up in that where you're always working more hours, you're always focused about money, you're always you know, where where's the end? 
you know, you have to strike a balance and care for yourself, care for your relationships, you know. Um, I don't know. That's my take. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it, let's be honest. Everyone's working to make money. We're all working to make money. So I would say, no, it's not bad to want to make more money or work longer hours to make more money. The danger is that we, that we kind of slip into living to work rather than working to live. We, we should live for the glory of God, not live to acquire toys or larger bank accounts. And I, I came up just thinking about this. I, I have a couple tests because I do think it's hard to answer in our culture how much is enough. And I tried to put that to the congregation on Sunday. How many coats do you need? How many pairs of shoes? And if you can, if your income's tied directly to your efforts, if commission basically, then I could, man, I could get tempted to run harder and harder and longer and faster. So I do think it's important that we all ask ourselves how much is enough. When will we be contented? And so there, I would give you a couple tests for that. For example, uh, on the question, how much is enough? Are you ever taking a Sabbath rest? Do you have a day of the week that you take off? If you don't, then you're running too hard. Mm -hmm. Biblically, and we can speak to that. Uh, you know, the fourth commandment has not been done away with. Uh, we're not to be legalists, uh, but we're still to keep the Sabbath. Um, giving test. In your desire to earn more, do you have an, an equal desire to give more? So there's the Sabbath test, are we ever taking a break? There's a giving test. And then there's this relational test. If my closest family and friends are saying things like, are you going to work again? Mm -hmm. Are you working now? When are you coming home? <laughs> you know, if I'm hearing that from my loved ones, ugh, that's not good. Oh. I think that's really good. Really mm -hmm. wise. Anyone else? No? Next one. I can't tell <laughs> if I'm content or lazy. I have no <laughs> desire to make more money. This is the converse of the question. Yeah, it really <laughs> this is. is. This is the, this is the, the opposite. Yeah. Uh, but I have, I have no desire to make more money, but my family and friends constantly say things like, you could do so much more with your life. I make minimum wage, but like my job, am I content or sinning? Is this my 15-year-old who wrote that? <laughs> sounds very familiar in my house. Seems somewhat generational, honestly. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of that. There kind of is a difference in generations. Yeah. yeah. I guess I would, right off the bat, I'd wonder uh, what family and friends, like like family that you trust, like not your crazy uncle Gary or whatever, but like your, <laughs> like your, your parents and maybe your older brother or sibling or whatever, or are these good friends of yours? Because if so, like maybe they're seeing potential in you that's not untapped. Mm -hmm. It's just untapped. I mean, mm -hmm. we all know our kids really well and we know what they've been good at since they were three, four, five years old. And I'm sure you see them grow up and you see their trajectory. And yeah, I could, I could envision as a parent thinking like, Oh man, God made you in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, like I hope you're happy and fulfilled, but man, it seems like mm -hmm. yeah, you, you were made for more. I think, Matt, you bring up a great point. There are some gifts we've been given and some callings that some people have that will never make much money. And so if we have a loved one whose gifting is not rewarded in the marketplace, 
and their calling is not highly valued, then they, they may never make much money. Minimum wage may be their lot in life. And I think our culture needs to be careful and families need to be careful. I have some friends who, whose son was basically a savant when it came to math. Brilliant. Got a full ride to Northwestern, right? Got a math degree, from, engineering degree from Northwestern, uh, you know, uh, but never wanted to be an engineer. But his, his parents said, no, you've got this gifting, you've got, this has got to be where you're headed. So um, he graduated from Northwestern, tried engineering, slipped into a depression, finally started admitting, I can't, I can't do this. This isn't my calling. And um, he's on the mission field now. So yeah. um, I just think we need to be really careful if the dollar you know, we make per hour becomes a God. Um, and we need to admit, we need to listen to our friends. I like that. But we need to admit that uh, sometimes we're not going to be rewarded in the marketplace for what our gifts and calling are. There's a lot of layers. There are. To, to, the, to the question, too, yeah. right? I mean, I do think for some that they may, like you said, that there's a, may be a contentedness in this situation. For others, they're definitely lazy. They just don't want to do... Lazy is a real possibility. <laughs> right. They just don't want to do the work. And he brought in a whole lot of things that don't really have to do with stealing, which yeah. <laughs> is fun to talk about. But, you know, our calling versus what we want to do, what we want to do may bring us more joy. Our calling may bring us more security. It's just, There's all sorts of different layers to, to what's going on. And then I think of generationally, all the conversations about living wage and minimum wage. I mean, all that stuff is like present in the question. It's a challenging, yeah. because there's a lot of people that want to just do the very minimum and be compensated at a level that isn't just doing the bare minimum, right? Or kind of an entry level type experience and need to re- realize like minimum responsibility, maximum pay. Yeah. It's, it's like not a real, you know, yeah. And, and different types of employment, different types of jobs and the value of those types of jobs. And then your personal worth and value and how it interacts with, I mean, there's just all sorts of messy yeah. things. I think, you know, there are, 100% lazy people. There are 100% lazy people trying to be compensated at a level that is not appropriate or fair. And then there's a lot of people that um, are okay with that and mm-hmm. are content and feel great working. I mean, Carrie's mom was a, or Carrie's grandma, excuse me, was a bank teller for like 40 years mm. and hated doing anything other than being a bank teller. <laughs> and yeah. she would get asked to be promoted. Hey, why don't you be a manager? Why don't you be, I mean, high levels of promotion. At, the, at her retirement party, which we all went to, the, the president of the entire bank came <laughs> to her as a teller. Mm-hmm. She, did, she absolutely loved interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And she saw people in the community. That was back when you actually went to the bank and you had yeah. to go to the teller yeah. Yeah. to get money or deposit stuff. She loved it. Totally content, yes. thriving in it, and could have done a lot other more prestigious or advanced things. And it was like, was she lazy? Oh, absolutely not. She's mm-hmm. an incredibly hardworking person. But that was what she was called to, and she was content in it, and she loved doing it. So, And then I'm sure there were probably other people that, 
<laughs> you know, that just mailed it in every yeah. single day. Yeah. And, you know, this, qu- this question asker admits in the beginning, I can't tell if I'm content or lazy. So they're open to the possibility that they are <laughs> being lazy. I think, you need, I think they, they probably should ask themselves uh, the question, like what, and it depends on how old they are and all that kind of stuff, but like what, what do they talk about, about in their future? What do they see? Are they, uh, is, this, uh, is this a young man? Does he want to get married someday and have a family someday? Okay. And, it, and so if so, minimum wage probably isn't going to be the best route if you want to do some of these other things. So mm-hmm. maybe it'd be good to ask some other questions, mm-hmm. have other people, you know, seek out some older folks. You know, I was thinking in the previous question, it sort of relates to this one too, but one of the things that, um, gives me comfort is like watching those like montage videos of elderly people. I'm talking people like in their eighties and you know, things like that. And, and they get the quite, they get a question asked something about life. Like what's your greatest joy? What's, what are you, what's your biggest regret? What are you so They never talk about money mm. ever. Right. Money is never the thing that they're yeah. like, you mm. know, I just wish I would have worked a little harder and earned a little more money, I'd be a little better off now. Like, they never talk about that. Right. Everything they talk about is relational. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I find a, a lot of comfort in that. Like, sure. you know. I feel like a, the, the point, the, the, the fact that they even asked a question, ask the question shows me that they're not lazy. If they were lazy, they wouldn't have even yeah. bothered to look into it, you know. Um, it makes me think of a friend of mine who comes from, wealth, a resourced family out of Montana. And I could tell you a lot of details about him, but um, then you would know who he was. But anyway, mm-hmm. so he has electively walked away from his wealth and the access he has to really never having to work his yeah. whole life. And he's yeah. in his like mid to late 20s, started a nonprofit after uh, living intentionally homeless for three months in Chicago, like lived in the tent community um, wow. near like Montrose and Lakeshore Drive or something. Um, and he's almost doing, I don't, I mean, somewhat related, like he's, he has no desire, which is what this question asks. I have mm. no desire to make more money. Mm. He has no desire to live in the money that he mm. has available to him and is electively choosing to live a very simplistic life. And it's intriguing to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not feeling this calling to join him <laughs> in his homelessness <laughs> and the challenges that come with that. But um, he's not living homeless anymore. But it inspired him to start a nonprofit that helps homeless men. So it's it's a neat story. He's very unique in his, I mean, even the fact that he had the ability to, to do it shows a little bit of his resources not to make it more complicated, but yeah, I don't know. Right. I feel, is, yeah. Do you so know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had, the, he had, he got to walk away mm-hmm. and go back to living in a comfortable apartment or whatever. But I don't know. I read this question and think, I don't know. I, I hear some freedom in, in his voice or mm-hmm. her voice that you don't have a desire to make more money and that's okay. Like there's, there's a beauty in living a simple life. And I like yeah. your question that you asked. What what friends are telling you you could do more with your life? And what does that look like? You could make more money because you're smart? Yeah, right, right. Or you've got gifts that you're yeah. not using, you know, that God's given you. I find what, what Kelly brought up intriguing. I've just kind of been stewing on it. Like the, the person who is just a savant at, at whatever, math, whatever, right? Engineering seems the logical choice, good career path you know, steady job, good money, but it's just soul sucking every day. Like that does yeah. present a real problem for, for people. Um, but I think also, um, as we talked about, there's a lot of layers to this. Um, you got to ask yourself, well, it is, 
is it soul sucking because it's defining me or or do I just like hate doing this? like I have a I have a good friend who makes a ton of money at his job and he hates it it's hard but he has a good perspective about it he's like I don't like what I do I'm so happy for you that you love what you do um, but you know I, I make a lot of money it provides for my family well and I look at it as a mission ground, you know? I, I work in this place. There's a ton of people there. So he tries and to so make the most of it. He tries to make the most of it. And, and, but he will tell you in the same breath, I hate what I do. And, and not morally or ethically, there's nothing wrong with that. He just, it's just mundane, and, you know, but it, it, he makes a lot of money. And it reminds me, your story reminds me that the calling on our lives is faithfulness. Mm. Our, our vocation, whatever it is, is a means to that. And we can, if, <clears throat> so your buddy, although he hates his nine to five, whatever it is, he, he realizes faithfulness in that work is, is more important than. He does. Yeah. He has a good perspective. Good. I remember asking him, so what is it that you do? I still could not. <laughs> I could not tell you guys what he does. <laughs> I think I've asked him two or three times. And every time I'm like, oh gosh, I shouldn't ask this. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the next one. I, uh, fourth one if God sovereignly distributes wealth then why does he give anything to the wicked it chaps me to see folks who cheat and steal getting ahead yeah the, the question itself you should take some comfort you're not alone you're not the first to ask it you're not the first to feel chapped um, by those who are playing outside the rules getting ahead uh, so the question, why do the wicked prosper, is a very common biblical question. Jeremiah addressed it, Job addressed it, the psalmist addressed it, and several occasions, you know, Jeremiah 12.1, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? And then Job says, why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? The psalmist expressed his envy of the prosperity of the wicked, and then he admits he wonders if living righteously is worth the trouble, Psalm uh, 73. So, very common question. Um, I I do think that envy, looking at those who aren't following after Christ, aren't trying to grow in the grace of giving, aren't trying to live faithfully, and increasingly uh, feeling envy about their apparent ease, uh, is a real test that we all need to, we need to cross that bridge. We, we need to address that in our lives. And, um, and it's a real call to trusting. The prosperity of the wicked is, a, is an opportunity to trust in our Lord, uh, trust that um, life on earth is short, for example, and eternity is forever, and, and just ruminate on, ruminate on that. Uh, trust that the righteousness, or living righteous is better than living unrighteousness and growing in, in a trust of God's word there. Trust that judgment's coming and all of us must give an account. Um, but ultimately, I find that for me, I need to remember that there's none righteous, not one. That I'm not near as righteous as I think when I look down my nose at the wicked. Uh, am I uh, stealing? No. Um, Am I, am I trying to live righteous? Yes. Are there people, in other words, are there, are there pe- people that are more wicked than me? Yes. But there are also people that are less wicked than me. And um, none of us are righteous. None of us deserve the grace of God, um, his kindness. Um, and, and just waking in the morning and 
And having another day is evidence that he's showing us compassion. He's showing us mercy. He's slow to anger. He's drawing men and women to himself. And so for me, answering the question um, is, I'll sum it up with Psalm 37. Don't fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they'll soon wither. This life is short. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land. Enjoy safe pasture. So find your safety in Christ, not in wealth. And that's Psalm 37. And um, I don't. I, I think it can be hard to see the yeah. wicked prosper, and it, it can be hard to remain faithful. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea to ask yourself, like, how does God see these folks? You know, does if you if you're talking with God and you're like, why do they prosper? And God, it's not like God's going to be like, yeah, I know, right? Like they're totally prospering. Like, <laughs> no, not the wicked. They're not prospering. Like the way that we perceive it in this life is getting ahead and prosper, but I mean, eternally, that's not their story. Mm-hmm. I think too. You know, I th- I don't know. Maybe you guys can chime in to my thought process here, but I feel like God wants all people to thrive and be blessed and, and flourish. I don't think that God plays this, this favorites of I'm going to impoverish some and bless others. I think, just walk with me here a little bit. <laughs> I think that some of that is, is a result of sin and the fall. It's a good that, word. That all aren't experiencing spiritual, emotional, whatever it is. And some of that is as economic. The fact that some people in the world live in a poverty we can't even fathom, that's not God's design mm-hmm. that some would be in that situation. That's a, that's a result of the fall. That's a result of, of sin, right? And so we should do the, our work to try to undo that. So if the wicked are flourishing... And those who are in oppressing in, others, in, a, in, a, in oppressing others, well, that should chap us. Yeah. That should make us upset. We should want to try to work to undo it because that is unjust. At the same time, our standard of living and what we think is like w- our job is not to go into every part of the earth and say you need to be just like uh, Western suburbanites, mm-hmm. right? That that's not what we're. That we are not the definition of necessarily thriving, Um, and so I guess there's some tension in in that. But I, I, you know, some I've heard some people talk about that. You know, like there's this, um, like God's God holds the bank, and God gives a little money here, and He gives a little less money here. He gives a lot of money over here. He rewards righteousness. Yeah, and I did. I just we need to be careful with that type of theology mm-hmm. rather than saying everything is available in God's design that he wants all people to to grow there's uh, he has unlimited resources and he wants people to to thrive he wants the righteous to to care for everyone he wants um and and when we do experience um economic um prosperity we need to thank god for it mm-hmm. and feel feel blessed in that and at the same time realize that there are others who aren't feeling that as a result of of sin in the world mm-hmm. yeah i love your call to uh if you feel frustrated by the wicked then do justice right mm-hmm. 
I guess what I'm saying too is that I, I sometimes I think we get into the situation where well these there's poor people over here because there's rich people here, like there's this limited amount of resource. Right. Mm-hmm. So we need to take away from like the rich people and then we'll make the poor people more rich and then we'll all be you know, somewhere in the middle. Well, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that's how it works. I think that there's an opportunity for all people. There's unlimited. It's mm-hmm. not like there's just mm-hmm. X number of dollars on the, the planet mm-hmm. and that you know, they're going to go to some and they're going to go to others. So that, I don't think that's how it works. It's also a Western thought to think that if someone is poor, they are unhappy. True. So there is, if you've spent any time with anybody in a third world country where resources are very limited and think that somehow you're going to make their life better by showing up, then, mm-hmm. you know, that is also a false narrative because I have met so many people all over the world who have very limited resources, who have more joy mm-hmm. and more peace because of the way God has provided for them in where they are mm-hmm. with their resources and the lessons that they can teach us oh, about yeah. contentment mm-hmm. and um, you know living by faith mm-hmm. yeah. and trusting the Lord and the joy that you can have in what really matters is probably in some ways more valuable more than, profound. What, yeah. than what we can give economically. I just I, I guess what I'm saying is this: the the redistribution principle or somebody intervening to say, well, you're rich. Um, they're poor because you're rich. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's just dangerous. I think that, oh, sorry, Kelly. <laughs> no, Teaching. you go. I think this is how I would answer the question, not nearly as deep and theological as John. Yeah, but I don't know if that was deep I and would, theological as much say, as me just trying to figure is, it out. <laughs> this is like a question my kids would ask me. Like, I've worked really hard on that test and did okay, and somebody else cheated and got an A. Oh, totally. What do I do about that? And yes. they're frustrated, yeah. and they want to, you know, they want that kid to be caught, and they want all, you know, they they want that just, or, you know, they want justice to be done. And what I say in those moments, whether it's academic or a, you see it in sports a lot, you know, whatever, from a, an adolescent perspective, something that I try to point my kids back to is you're going to sleep at night with a clear conscience, and God will yep. bless you for that. You will have peace in your heart that... Jesus says he will leave with you, which so that if Jesus is leaving us his peace, that to me that says that's something we want. Mm -hmm. And if you're not cheating, if you are a man or a woman of integrity, because you're not cheating, you're not um, trying to get ahead for whatever this, you know, whatever this the question in a wicked way, in a wicked Mm -hmm. way, even in the smallest sense. I can tell my kids all the time: make wise character building decisions now when you're young, because you will build on them as you get older, and you won't be tempted to cheat and steal your way through life and you will go to bed with peace at night knowing that you did the right thing and God will honor that not with more resources necessarily but with a relationship with him Mm -hmm. I mean what more do we want right that's a good word it's a good word (laughs) we need to come up with a new phrase when we say good things you know a good word (laughs) what's wrong with a good word that's a good sentence that's a good sentence (laughs) (laughs) good phrase I like your paragraph yeah it's good, tricky. Good it's food a, for thought. It's a, it's a tricky, you know, how how we handle our wealth and give and the role of poverty and where it comes from. I mean, these are really big uh, topics and lots of different uh, takes on them. I think where we see oppression and sin causing poverty, we need to intervene. We need to be more generous. Um, and yet we need to not to, we need to realize that just because we have means doesn't mean that we've robbed from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Let's provide opportunities for 
um, for folks to thrive. Let's, let's, let's do that work. I think that's some of what we're doing through the care center is realizing, and we can distribute groceries and diapers and food and things like that, but a, a real solution is... Teach that, a man a fish. Yeah, teaching language, providing job opportunities, and um, you know, getting to the, to the root of, of uh, some of those things. One of the things I've, I've learned, too, is a lot of um, our economic thriving um, comes from what I'd call like a safety net mentality. Like sometimes we can take risks financially because we know we have a, this safety net that will help us. And oftentimes people in poverty, they have an inability to take right. any sort of risk. Yeah, right. I think of the work that um, Opportunity International does in Dave Wigman, one of our elders works for Opportunity. One of the things that they do, they provide micro loans. loans. I mean, they do a lot more than this, but I'm <laughs> Dave's going to listen and go, that's not exactly what we do. But one of the things they do is provide small loans to people to be able to grow their business in a, in a developing part of the world. So they would go into a place like Ghana, maybe a, uh, a, a, a mom and has a shop there, but she's unable to take risks with any of her money because she doesn't know if that's going to produce anything. Mm-hmm. So they are able to come alongside, provide a small loan to help her get ahead to invest in something to buy more equipment or do something like that and then she has a plan to pay that money back but it it provides this sort of safety net these resources that they wouldn't normally have access to or or feel like they could take a risk in and i mean those sorts of things are are beautiful ways to help people have that backing that we so often take for granted Mm-hmm. And not everybody in America is the same, but I, a lot of us that sit here in the suburbs or sit in church, we don't even realize at some level the safety net that we have from family, friends, banks, institutions that we have access to that a lot of people just don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, yeah. I can go on and on. Sorry. <laughs> I'm reminded that there is no particular unrighteousness in having a lot of money, mm-hmm. and there's no particular righteousness. In being poor. Amen. Totally. So having more money or not having money is not uh, moral. It's what we do with our money yeah. and how we steward it. Yeah. How we gained it, yeah. how we give it, how we steward it, right. what we use. Yeah, all yeah. those things. It's yeah. so 100%. It's, it's not as simple as wealthy people becoming impoverished. The story you told is beautiful. This man feels apparently led of God to mm-hmm. to give up his wealth and do something else, which is terrific. Maybe um, some are called to do that. But there's also a righteousness, John, and I think you're getting at this, where the wealthy business owner creates jobs. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right? we need yeah. wealthy people. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> and I, I frankly would rather uh, that the that believers have the wealth than uh, non-believers are. I'd rather that moral people have the wealth mm-hmm. than immoral people mm-hmm. have the wealth because of the stewardship responsibility opportunity. Mm-hmm. I would rather that the wealth be mobilized for the glory of God and the good of the community. Mm-hmm. I think of a lot of, there's, you know, we have a lot of folks that work in financial management, sort of wealth management and, you know, retirement and those sorts of things. And I, there's several that talk about with their clientele because they're believers and they're working and sometimes they're working with people that aren't believers Mm -hmm. and they have this opportunity to encourage these folks to start thinking about not just holding on to or storing up or you know giving to their kids and then but to actually give now with some of the resources they have and what 
what an opportunity to speak into the lives of the wealthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's several that that do that work on a daily basis. It's really powerful. Yeah, Anthony being one of them, you know this. And um, I wasn't thinking well, only of him, but right, I no, was I know. thinking There's, of him. There are a ton. <laughs> and he obviously gets um, stressed when the market's so volatile up and down. And he's like, I have these really hard conversations with clients because they are watching their you know, investment oh, and their yeah. retirement. And I always just tell them, well, just tell them not to love their money. <laughs> and they'll be, they'll be fine. I mean, at this point, he just rolled his eyes like as if that were, you know, it were that easy. You know, if I'm going to be honest, before we go to the, the last one, if I'm going to be honest, like I don't, I don't have a big problem with the person that cheats and gets ahead, the, the oppressed, like the oppressor. Like I'm kind of like, yeah, they're they're running a, a futile race, right? Like what, what honestly, what gets me, what what kind of gets me going is. Um, just watching folks that like the, it's it's the posting of Sunday morning golf pictures on on Facebook or whatever. Why does that or trap you? That, um, no, the, uh, just be like it, it falls on into instead of why do the wick, the way the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? There's just uh. like this mm. ease, carefree life. They have no faith, mm. you know, but but they're weak and they seem unbothered and they're unbothered and they're just coasting and things are living good and comfort. they've got their money and they're living yeah. their best life now. Like that's where that's what like draws me into thinking about it maybe tempted by like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it's just like wow they're just going right through look that's a nice golf course or that's a nice lake house or what you know even though you know it's false well exactly exactly i'm just saying like i it doesn't trip is joyless right 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 living for service and to care and to right is brings i'd say for me that's a bigger stumbling block Mm -hmm. for me than somebody Mm -hmm. who is Living like cheating and lying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. You know what's coming for them. Even though both both places, (laughs) (laughs) both places end in the same place. If you don't receive Christ, if you don't, and you know, and then also, I think I've had you know real life conversations with a lot of these folks, and you sit down and talk to them, and and what what they post looks that way, but you know, when when you really you know care for a lot of these folks, but when you talk to them, it's like, oh man, posted dumb money. Money was a, a. a barrier for my father coming to faith in Christ. He told me once when I was very young, money cannot buy happiness, but it sure can make you comfortable. And that marks a young man. It, sure. it marked me. Yeah. Um, and in the comfort that money brought my father was very important to him. Mm. Yeah. But it did not solve all his problems. Yeah. And it could not um, buy his way out of illness. He had a need ultimately that Christ was able to address. He recognized a need, I should say, that he finally allowed Christ to address in his life. So I was thankful for that. All right, let's go to our our final one. How can I grow in contentment? I have a bad habit of comparison and would love to not think about what others are doing and buying mm. and the places they are going. <laughs> Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Matt. So I submitted this question this morning. Uh, <laughs> my, my suggestion for discontent is thankfulness. And it is something, you know, we laugh at Matt's example because he just said it chaps him to see people out on the golf course. And that, that, but we all struggle with that. And so the cultivation of thankfulness uh, is a discipline that's very important. Uh, taking um, heart and showing gratitude for some of the simplest things um, is a 
is a discipline that delivers us from discontentedness. And when I say simple things, I mean things like, and we all probably have some hobbies, um, but, you know, things like, you know, the chirping of birds in the morning, um, the sunrise, the sunset, the rain that came last night after weeks with no rain. And, but just noting those things. Um, I lead a little group. I led one last spring for called Restore. Uh, Lord willing, I'll lead one this fall. And one of the exercises that is a part of the, the, the group is this thankfulness inventory where we, you know, we say things like, you know, stop and smell the roses. But few of us do that. Most of us run 100 miles an hour in the, in the work to provide, acquire, whatever our, you know, we run really hard. That is suburbia. And so if you're running hard, then thankfulness is hard to cultivate. And we can grow discouraged easily and discontent. So. Mm-hmm. A piece of what I hear you saying, too, is just develop the discipline to be present, right? So it takes, you have to be present to hear the birds chirping and yeah. see the sunrise. You have to get up early to see the sunrise. But have you noticed how early? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, anyway. But I, I just think that's a... Um, I, I, I needed to hear that, just what you just said, you know, is to uh, focus on being present and not trying to address the million things I have to do every day, every hour. Um, so I appreciate that. Appreciate that word. Mm. <laughs> it's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> I think that the, to the snare, my mom used to say it's a snare to compare. Mm. When we were little kids. <laughs> like, I want what he wants. Did she yeah. make that face when she said Yeah, right. Uh, so, so don't you dare. Yeah. <laughs> It's a snare to compare. The idea of comparison, competition, all that kind of stuff, I think is really, I mean, I think that spans all economic categories and all demographics. And all, I mean, we can easily get sucked into wanting to compare our lives and woe are we. And, you know, there's never, we're never as, we don't have it as good as the next person, you know, from the crazy rich to the, you know, to the, those impoverished, you know, that, that that's a real temptation to yeah mm-hmm. not he, he brought that up with the ten thousand uh, dollar yeah that was just example yeah it's true right. like a lot of us do right mm-hmm. right and it, it's a real I think it's a real temptation it's a real battle um, that we need to be cognizant of mm-hmm. I think some of the the things that we have in our lives it, it, as much as looking to what is to be you call it a thankful thankfulness inventory kind of pausing, stopping, thinking, realizing what we do have, like root out the things in our lives that draw us to compare. I mean, you yes. talked about like social media and I know that there's kind of been a movement. It kind of, I think mean, time, it, you know, comes and goes, but people were saying, you know, I'm, I'm turning this off mm-hmm. because it just, it just drives me to compare mm-hmm. with others. I was talking with somebody not too long ago. They said, I, I turn off, um, I don't remember what it was, Instagram or something, all summer long because it's the time when everybody goes on vacation and has all this kind of fun and does all these sorts of things and everybody looks great. Everybody, you know, and so I just, I turn it off, you know, I don't know, it's the month of July or all summer or something like that because it's such a temptation and a sure. point of frustration um, that, they, that they get them. I thought that was pretty wise. Mm-hmm. Like, Brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, the contentment, um, thankfulness for what I do have, what the Lord has given me to steward. Um, but then f- 
a joy in the successes other people are having. Totally. That is really important to cultivate. I'm so glad he and she get to, you know, they get to vacation in, Par- vacation in Park City for the entire summer, you know, so. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I'm so I, happy. I, I, I sense it. Just a bit. <laughs> it was going well until you said all summer. All summer long with their beautiful bikes and their family. <laughs> and their kids all get along. Yeah. Can we genuinely, I, you know, we say this to our children, but do we do believe it as adults? Their success is not my failure. Yeah. Right. It's it can, really important when your kids are young. I mean, that's, it's difficult, but when you have a bunch of kids and one of them comes home and they won the pizza party, you know, whatever, oh, and the yeah. other one's like, no fair, you won. Like, let's just you, celebrate. You wait till it's scholarships in college. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate what they got. Let's, yeah. That's awesome. He got to go. Yeah. And, yeah I, for, you know, suburbanites to be genuinely excited that, that my friend or my neighbor got a new car and celebrate or that they, they can afford to put an addition on their house or, or they took a longer vacation and he's <laughs> rattling off all my issues. Have you been or busy celebrating lately? Or they're skinny. <laughs> or they're, like, what are you saying? He's like I'm rattling off everything. I'm sc- <laughs> <laughs> He's like really specific. All right. <laughs> they got a brand new Phil- LG 4700 TV <laughs> in their living room with their... <laughs> Feels close to home. <laughs> it does. All right. Is that it? That's it. All right. Good work today, guys. Yeah. yeah. That's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Boom. Prophecy.